Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. Tony, I, my first reaction is just, fuck yes, let's go. Socks versus Detroit. That's, that's where it all starts. Because it all starts taking care of business in-house in the Central Division. That's right, I'm a meatball. You gotta bring that top button swag, baby. It is always great to beat the Cubs. And I'm a homer, so I always say they're gonna. Dallas Keiko Lampson got some beards that you should be afraid of. What everybody said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm gonna beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough. Steve, Steve, would you say that Tony is mad online? I, I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner. Hello, White Sox fans, and welcome in to a winning edition of the Sox on Tap postgame show. It's Tony Marchese alongside my guy, the one who's been bringing you the recaps at ontapsportsnet.com pretty much almost every game. Besnick, I don't think you've missed, what, maybe one or two all season. You're as tuned into this team as anybody. It's Mr. Besnick at Sox Insane on Twitter. Besnick, my friend, how are you doing after a White Sox winner tonight? Things are feeling always better after a White Sox win, especially, you know, um, coming out on top four to two. You hit a couple home runs, and it's no better when you do it against such a hated longtime historic rival like the Colorado Rockies. You know, this this storied rivalry that goes back all the way to 05. So that's that's a huge, huge win. It's always great to beat the Rockies. Yeah, Bez, I, I just this is something that you were doing a little research on today. Can you uh bring the listeners through the storied rivalry between the uh White Sox and the Rockies? Oh, I'd be happy to. Um so we were nine and eight lifetime against the uh Rockies. So you can tell that it's you know a pretty even uh series. These two teams really go at it when they play each other. We uh, we take the the all time series lead, ten uh, eight now against the Rockies, and this was um, a big revenge game. The last time we played them in Colorado, we got walked off, um, and then you know you look back at the twenty tens, and we had a losing record against them, which they have you know really really bragged about for years. And I'm tired of it. I'm tired of them thinking that they can claim Juan Uribe just because, you know, he played with them before he won a World Series with us. I didn't see them, you know, I didn't see him win a World Series for them. So, man, it feels good to beat the Rockies. Well, it uh, it is victory beers, as we like to say on this show, Besnick. Uh, and thank you for taking us back through uh, what has been a neck-and-neck uh, lifetime rivalry between the Chicago White Sox and the Colorado Rockies uh, of Denver there. Um, we'll, we'll get into some of this ball game in just a minute. Uh, but before we do, uh, we'll read off some of the promotional stuff here, Bez. Uh, be sure you're going to ontapsportsnet.com so you can read Beznick's writing and recaps of all these White Sox games and, uh, as well as his opinion pieces about Eloy Jimenez. Those were awesome earlier this season. He does some deep dive work as well. And, you know, you can get more than just White Sox there. You can get Cubs, you can get Bears, you can get Bulls. Uh, you can get uh, some Blackhawks action and and maybe some pop culture. Baz, you were doing some pop culture work a little bit ago, uh, and uh, you get a little bit of everything. So be sure you're checking out the website at ontapsportsnet.com. Subscribe to the YouTube so you can get in here in the comment section. 
Uh, we can't see the comments on Twitter, so make sure you get on the YouTube stream. Come in here, interact with us. We love the comments. Uh, and join our, our guy White Sox Sale, who's normally in here, in that comment section right there on the YouTube stream. Besnick, White Sox win 4-2 today. Michael Kopech took the mound. There was a lot of White Sox news we've got to break down, but let me get some initial thoughts from you on how you felt this ball game went. Uh, it's always great to get on the board early and see Eloy come in and set the tone with a big three-run homer and, uh, and, and take the lead there. So anytime we hit some home runs, especially when we add an insurance home run uh, later on in the game before we go into the ninth, uh, that's that's huge. I thought Michael Kopech pitched well. Um, I don't think he was outstanding by any means. He fell behind some hitters. He made good pitches in those particular counts to get guys out. He got pulled after five innings and 80 pitches, but no walks, three strikeouts, uh, just the homer allowed and walked out of there after he retired the last seven batters he faced. So um, solid outing there from uh, from Kopech. I've got no complaints about Michael today. It very much was a solid uh, outing there from, from Michael Kopech, uh, Besnick, as you said. I, I was uh, I was a little nervous coming down the stretch with him. And I think that if, if this is what you get from Michael Kopech, okay, right? Right. You're not going to see the explosive power. You're not going to see those strikeout numbers. I don't think really get much higher uh, there unless he's really feeling good uh, about his stuff on a given day, but this was solid. It, it didn't have to be sexy, but it was, it was solid. Um, you know, going through uh, back to the White Sox scoring in this ball game, you touched on it a little bit right there. And let's, let's start with setting the tone here. Three runs in the first inning for the White Sox off the bat of one Eloy Jimenez, who's just been an absolute menace in the DH role uh, since pretty much taking that over on a full-time basis um, after coming back from some leg soreness stuff that was going on. It, it seemed to be uh, hobbling him up. But uh, I think since we've seen Eloy Jimenez in the DH role, Basnick, you've grown to expect results like you saw in the first inning, three-run homer for our boy Eloy. But if you want to talk about how they got on, uh, you are free to do so as well. Yeah, I mean, Elvis Andrews continues to set the tone and gets things going with a double there. You you know, we've, we've said plenty about this guy and what a great pickup he's been. I don't know how much more we can say, but he continues to hit the ball. Um, he continues to play solid defense and bring that, you know, veteran leadership. And, um, and you know, Eloy was able to bring him around. Um, with a, a 400 plus foot bomb to, to left center. So, um, you know, you, you'd like to see the guys put a, a couple more runs on the board there before the ninth. Um, you know, we had some other opportunities that we couldn't cash in on. Um, but again, you know, to your point, Eloy has just been tearing the cover off the ball since he's been in that DH role, which I think is where a lot of people want to see him end up. Um, at least from what I read on my timeline on twitter.com, people want him in that role permanently. And, um, you know, that obviously creates some roster issues that we don't have to 
get into right now, but um, it feels good to see hit the old Eloy back. Um, you know, we didn't really, we weren't really sure who we were going to get because last year when he came back from his pectoral injury, he looked like a, a, a shell of his former self. And even, you know, at the beginning of this year before he, you know, went on the IL for a while, he wasn't, you know, looking right. He wasn't looking like the Eloy we saw in 2019 and 2020, who, you know, looked like he had the potential to, be one of the top sluggers in the game. So um, it's good to see this. I think this is his, I think he had a uh, three homers in as many games in that first three games in the series against Oakland. And then he's got one to start things off here against Colorado. So hopefully he can keep things rolling and, uh, and soak in the socks because we've still got ground to make up in the, in the central here. They absolutely do Besnick. And, you know, tonight was at least a keep pace, uh, type win, and we'll get more to that towards the uh, tail end of the show here. But uh, let's keep it moving. Nothing really happening offensively for any of these teams um, uh, until the third inning, and uh, the Rockies are able to get back on the board uh, and, and get two runs across. But Besnick, you know this. This is a heated rivalry. Uh, how frustrating for them was it to not uh, you know, get that tying run in? in the third inning um that's that's a killer i mean that that uh that's another another opportunity for them to get back in the game uh maybe get that tying run in and maybe keep that inning alive to get even more um you know like we said kopech was solid but he was not great so that was a chance for them to you know really put the hammer down and tie this all-time series up at nine apiece um, this, you know, storied 17 year rivalry that we've got here. So, um, you know, a lot of people were calling this a trap game because, um, you know, the Rockies were coming in for two before we play Cleveland and they've not been playing good, but this is a revenge game. This is not a trap game. So this is, um, that was huge. After that, it was uh, pretty much smooth sailing for Sox pitching. And it was, uh, you know, we'll talk a little bit about the bullpen here. We've got uh, our guy, first one out, Jimmy Lambeau. Uh, tell me a little bit about how you feel when Jimmy Lambeau takes the mound these days. I mean, when Lambeau's out there, um, I know I'm supremely confident. I don't have any issues with him coming in there. Um, in any situation, um, if he wants to get the – if he's going to get the ball in the ninth, if Cairo's going to give him the ball in the eighth – um, I'm, I'm confident in him to even come in and make uh, a start from time to time as he's done in the past. He's, uh, he's really, whatever him and Ethan Katz have worked on, they've, uh, they've found something that has fixed him. Um, he's always, you know, around the strike zone with his pitches. He's rarely falls behind hitters. He's not walking guys. That was always his problem in the past. And now he's uh, he's just getting through hitters and, and coming through in pressure pressure situations. I love seeing him in the game. Um, him and Ronaldo Lopez, who also pitched, were fantastic and have been one of the bright spots of the year here today in uh, in 2022. Yeah, especially in that bullpen. And uh, the bullpen was great tonight. Uh, you got Kendall Graveman and then Liam Hendricks out to close this one out. Bez, let's talk a little bit about Graveman. He made a interesting, maybe innovative, uh, diving catch sort of tumble into first base. 
uh, as he was running over to cover there in the eighth inning to get the first out, uh, used his pitching hand to uh, reach out and touch first base uh, with a runner barreling down. Um, that's not exactly advisable, but you have to admire the cool and toughness of Kendall Graveman here to just get the job done and go all in to get that out. Any thoughts there? Completely agree. That was cool and tough. Um, maybe not the smartest move to use your pitching hand there. I'm not sure I've ever really seen a relief pitcher or starting pitcher go with their uh, pitching hand there in a, in a situation like that to cover the base. But he got the job done. You you love the TWTW there. And, you know, he's obviously got a chip on his shoulder because last time we played, uh, you know, these uh, these just hated Rockies was um, his undoing. You know, he came in in the ninth or I, I want to say that might have even been an extra innings game and he didn't record an out. And uh, and the Rockies walked us off. So he had something to prove and he proved it today. Yeah, and as you said before, it was a revenge game. But I'm going to call it a rock-solid win brought to you by 69 Mega. We're moving on. Adding on to it, Bez, was Jose Abreu in in our eighth inning, bottom of the eighth. Jose Abreu hits a home run for the first time in what feels like forever. In what was exactly 37 games, which is the longest drought, home run drought of his career, um, that was the last one was on August 3rd. You know, we always talk about August of Ryu. There was not a lot of Augusting this year um, since, you know, that was the last homer he hit in August, one of two that he hit in the month. He's uh, he's still raking. I mean, if you look at the batting average, he's above 300. I want to say he might even be in the top 10 in the American League in batting average. His on base is always... Um, pretty solid. It's it's in the 380s at the moment, but that slugging is way down. He's uh, in a bit of a been of an, in a quite a bit of a power drought here. So hopefully that was just a slump and not indicative of his future in Major League Baseball. Um, but it was nice to see Pito put one in the stands and give us an insurance run going into the ninth. Yeah, and I think especially with Pito being in a contract year this gets looked at a little bit closer, especially given the positional log jams. And we can talk more about that. You know, maybe it's something that we'll dive into and, uh, you know, maybe feature something on ontapsportsnet.com about, I think that that power drought that you're talking about is one of the reasons where people will steer. It'll be part of the narrative of, don't bring Jose Abreu back unless you see a really, really hot September. That's just my early prediction. But you will get a lot more people being a lot more vocal about sticking with Andrew Vaughn and telling Jose Abreu to leave town. That's what I think will happen if you don't get a massive power surge down the stretch here from Jose Abreu. Yeah, I hope uh... – I hope that's not the case. Um, I have a hard time seeing the Chicago White Sox let Jose Abreu walk. Um, I think um, I, I don't think that's something that uh, I, I want to see them do. I want to see Pito back in a White Sox uniform next year. Not sure how much he's got left in the tank, how much he wants to play. Um, but uh, but I agree. I think that's you know going to be the narrative is somebody's got to go. 
We don't want to see Eloy in left field. He needs to DH, and Vaughn's our first baseman of the future. So Jose's the odd, odd man out, and we, you know, we just need to let him walk. Um, I don't think that's the answer, but um, I don't know. Then you have to live with Vaughn or Eloy in left. Neither are great options, but um, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't envision the White Sox letting him walk. But hopefully that narrative um, changes, and hopefully we see Jose go on a tear. I'm I'm right there with you, man. I, I am a hundred percent with you. I want to see more pedo fireworks. I want to see more MVP shit, as you know. All right, Liam Hendricks comes in, closes this ball game down. We're all well and good. White Sox win. Now let's take a look around the division. Minnesota and Cleveland both secure victories. Now Minnesota's fallen back a little bit in this race, but the White Sox have a tough task. It's been the talk of the town lately. Do you believe in how many games back they are? Is it a left-hand, right-hand column-type debate? There's all sorts of debates that are out there, but it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, the White Sox have to catch them to even have these conversations. Cleveland goes on to win today. Thank goodness the White Sox win today because you can't afford to lose any ground against these guys at this point. And I think that's the sentiment that everybody has, but it's just good to see the boys take care of business. Can Cleveland continue this hot streak? What it would, what's going on here? Because it, it might take the white Sox taking this into their own hands in order to derail them. We've got a game coming up with Cleveland on Thursday, but I, I kind of want, the Cleveland Guardians to lose tomorrow. I, I I might need that for my personal mental health, Besnick. What are your thoughts here on the AL Central? I mean, the Sox need to control what they can, and that's just winning the the games that are on their schedule, regardless of who they're playing. Um, three games is kind of a lot to make up in twenty games, and I think they have um, a couple games. I think they might have 22 or 23 games left to play um, with the difference uh, there in the loss column, as you can, everyone, you know, talks about on, on twitter.com. So, um, you know, you've, you've got this game against Colorado. Uh, maybe, maybe this is the trap game going into the game against Cleveland. Um, but it's, you know, still a big game. Then you've got three games against Detroit. So that gives me a little bit of hope there. If, if we can take care of business in these next two, um, at least, you know, pick up a game in the next two or keep it at three. And then um, we've got actually six against Cleveland. So we've got the three against Cleveland. I'm sorry, the three against Detroit, three against Cleveland, and then another three against Detroit. So that's, that's pretty favorable there. We've, you know, we mopped the floor with Detroit. Uh, several times this year, we've I think we've already swept them twice. So let's make it three and four times, and uh, and make this thing a, a tight race going into that last um, that last week and a half of the season. Yeah, I mean it's every game matters. We've said that from the beginning of the season. You've got to set the tone, and you've got to set the tone daily. Um, it, it's it's going to come down to the wire. But these games against Cleveland, starting this Thursday. And then next week are going to be very, very important and key matchups for the Chicago White Sox this season. Um, we've talked a little bit about this before, but in order to take the season series with them, you need all four. So 
Uh, you're going to have to get that win Thursday. Otherwise, morale is going to start to just go to all-time level lows, I think, in, in the White Sox fan base um, on Thursday afternoon. That's going to be an early game, a 12-10 start Chicago time. Um, yeah, it's just going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. I, are, are you locked in for this? Like, are you are you ready I'm, as a White Sox fan? Are you ready for the next week? Because it's going to be an epic roller coaster. I'm ready. I mean, I love that we've got Dylan Cease going tomorrow against this uh, against this Rockies squad that's in last place. Um, and then we've got Lance Lynn. I love the news that Lance got um, slotted into that Thursday game to make the start. He's been pitching phenomenally lately. He's, I think it's an, uh, an ERA in the ones over his last four or five starts. So uh, perfect opportunity there for uh, the big bastard to come in and hopefully make a statement. I mean, if you can come in and win that game and, and you know, bring the lead to two, keep it at three, you know, going into that Detroit series. I mean, that's these next two games are, are, are absolutely huge. Um, you know, every game is, as you said, but, um, these next two with two of our best on the mound, um, it's, it's important to win both, especially the one against Cleveland. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Absolutely. And you brought up, uh, the first little bit of news there, uh, perfect little transition, uh, into Lucas Giolito kind of getting bumped from the start. Lance Lynn's going to get that game. Uh, against the Cleveland Guardians, I saw a lot of commentary about, you know, potentially moving Cease back into that spot, um, you know, and how many days rest are people going to wind up on. You had that off day, uh, you know, to play in there on Monday. So, Besnick, I'm happy that they've done this. That's it, it, an, an encouraging sign that they've yep. done this and they recognize that Lucas Giolito might not give you the best chance to win against Cleveland, but could you imagine being in Lucas, Lucas Giolito's camp here? Because you come into this season, you had a, 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 a pretty sure an extension offered, or at least, you know, uh, some debate back and forth in arbitration. Yep. And now you're getting your start bumped in what is probably the most important spot of the entire season that can't feel good. That can't feel good for him in his camp. It doesn't do great things for him. Uh, I mean, we have him under control for another year, but, you know, his impending free agency is coming. Um, you know, we don't really know the details of that contract offer. If there is one, no one has hashtag confirmed that. But um, he can't feel good about it. But the other, the flip side of that is too bad. <laughs> I mean, he's earned it. At this point, he's earned it, uh, earned being the guy that gets bumped for the better guy, because um, at this point, he's performed like a fifth starter when you compare him to the rest of the rotation. So our guy, Sean Roberts, on this show earlier this year, I think this was back in June or July, had us run a poll about. Would you include Lucas Giolito on your playoff roster? And a lot of people got sort of upset at the poll at the time and said, of course, like Lucas, you like a lot of the same stuff. And now where are you at on that? If I were to ask you right now, is he getting a start in a playoff game? Should the white Sox make it there? For, for me, I don't think so. 
Um, but do I think the White Sox are giving him a start? I think probably because there's a bigger body of work there for him. Um, you know, he, this is a guy who did throw a no hitter. He did have that phenomenal start in Oakland in the playoffs a few years ago. Um, we can't take that away from him. So we've, you know, he's come through for us before, but the way he's pitched this year gives me no confidence. The problem is, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of seeing Michael Kopech. He had a nice start today, but we're kind of seeing him run out of gas a little bit. So I'm not sure what you do there. Uh, after Cease and Lynn and Cueto. Um, I'm not sure who that fourth guy is. It's definitely between those two and, um, you know, whoever. What I think the White Sox would do was probably put Kopech in the bullpen and go with Giolito. And um, and uh, I guess I would be okay with that. But I'm sure Giolito would be on a – I would have Giolito on a very short leash. Yeah, it's just an interesting uh, d- development in, in Lucas Giolito career. Uh, and yeah. we want to see one of these guys, uh, sort of regress into uh old bad habits or just not getting the job done. Um, I thought he was on a nice, clear trajectory up, upwards, and not so much uh, this season. Bez, we've got some other White Sox news to get to before we get out of here. Reported today that Tim Anderson has been cleared to resume baseball activities. He is on the way, hashtag back, as soon as next week. So, Tim Anderson on the way back. Elvis Andrews currently sleeping pretty comfortably in Tim Anderson's bed right now. So, (laughs) what's going to happen here? What's going to happen here? I want to hear your take. I I think – you know, I was listening to the score the other day. They had Steve Stone on, and he made it sound very clear cut, dry, and easy. And his answer was, You put Andrews at second base. Neither of these two guys have ever played second base in their careers in the majors. Um, you clearly don't want either of them to have to learn a new position in a division race this late in the season, but I think both of them are capable. And uh, Andrews is a, a little bit better with the glove than T.A., all due respect to T.A. Um, so I think that uh, Andrews goes to second and T.A. comes back and, and plays short. And Miguel Cairo before the game today uh, in his interview was saying that, you know, when Elvis is our shortstop right now and that's it going forward. And when Tim comes back, he's our shortstop. So I think that's probably what they end up doing is putting Elvis there at second because you need his bat in the lineup, you need his glove in the field, and um, that gives you the best chance to win. Cool. Awesome. Great plan. Let's hope that works out. What are you doing with the batting order? Does Tim Anderson have that number one leadoff spot as soon as he comes back? I think so. I think you got to put T.A. back there. Uh, maybe you start him off a little bit lower in the order to get his bearings as he's kind of coming off the I.L. after a long I.L. stint. But luckily in the White Sox lineup, the ninth spot is actually the second leadoff spot. So, um, you know, you could slot Elvis there in the in the second leadoff spot and uh, and have Tim in the first leadoff spot or, or vice versa. Either, either way, that, that works out pretty well because we've got two leadoff spots in our lineup. There you go. That's uh that's a Tony LaRusa saying there. Uh it two is. leadoff spots in the lineup. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would kind of, you know, do the same thing you said and maybe soften this one up a little bit uh, and not throw T.A. back there, maybe game one, game two, back in, into the swing of things. But I do expect the White Sox to go and drop him in the number one spot as soon as he's back. I don't know if that's the right answer here, Besnick. And this is just the feel and the feel for the why, you know, a lot of people are superstitious. A lot of people think, you know, maybe LaRusa shouldn't come back because the vibes of the team are good right now and things are working. Um, I would say things are working with Elvis Andrews in, in the one spot. And if we want to just base this off of superstitions and things that we talk about all the time here, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if you want to go and mess with the vibes of the lineup. If you don't want to mess with the vibes of the clubhouse, I think the lineup is also sacred here. You know, Miguel Cairo should practice what he's been preaching and drop Timmy in the batting order. If that, if he really wants to, to, you know, leave his mark on this team, he'll do that because so far it's worked with his guy there. And, you know, if you want to build the narrative on this one a little bit further, T.A. And, and T.L.R., you know, T.L.R. earlier this year preached and said, Timmy's the leadoff guy, Timmy's the leadoff guy, Timmy's the leadoff guy. Mm-hmm. So if you're out there and you're in the camp that says, I don't want, you know, LaRusa back this season because he's going to ruin the vibes. If Miguel Cairo just comes out there and throws Tim Anderson back into the leadoff role, He's doing the exact same thing that people are complaining about. That's just my my thought and uh, theory here. So, you know, we've got, you know, our guy Steve in here, Miguel Cairo, my manager. So we know Steve is firmly in the camp of not wanting T.A. back in the leadoff role. That's perfect. We've already got his take. So uh, that's out there. But Besnick, any other, any other thoughts on this before we get to uh, our guy Luis Robert? I don't think anyone knows what Cairo is going to do other than start TA at shortstop. Um, the rest is speculation. Um, you know, TA is, is still my guy in the leadoff spot, but um, because, and I hate to be uh, a, a negative Nani here, but this Andrews thing is uh, he's on a hell of a tear and I hope it continues, but I also don't expect it to continue. Um, yeah. So I'm going to be that guy and say that, you know, he'll eventually come back down to earth, at least at the plate. And, um, you know, we'll uh, that that'll make that decision a lot easier. So that's my final thought there. I mean, he is way above where he should be right now in terms of the statistics. So that's not it's not hard to fathom that we will get to a point where it cools off a little bit. Although I will say this. He stepped up at the right time and was an integral part of keeping this team afloat throughout the 2022 season. And part of the reason we're still here today, drinking victory beers and talking about White Sox winners. Let's get on to a guy that's really not contributing to White Sox winners, and that's Luis Robert. And you want this guy to be contributing to White Sox winners. First day back in the lineup after what feels like forever for the forever time um, yep. Luis Robert back in the lineup. Uh, the last stint, if you uh, have forgotten, Luis Robert was swinging with one hand for what was like about a week, maybe week and a half span. And then, you know, was away from the team, had some issues, then was swinging with one hand again, and then went away for a while. Well, he was back today. He kept two hands on the bat. 
He's still batting seventh in the order, and I don't think that uh, Luis Robert, fully healthy, ever bats seventh in this White Sox lineup. Um, wasn't really able to do much, and then the last two at-bats are where things started to kind of break apart, and I'm pretty sure that last swing was one-handed once again. That wrist has been a problem since sliding into second base um, and injuring it on a stolen base attempt. Mm-hmm. Is it time to shut him down? I think so. I put out a tweet earlier or this evening during the game that it's, you know, probably time to to shut him down. I mean, this is the second attempt to come back from this wrist injury. And, you know, again, we're seeing him swing with one hand. The first at bat looked pretty good. He hit the ball pretty hard. He got robbed of a single. There. <clears throat> the third baseman made a nice play and, you know, it resulted in a ground out. But um, the next two were... Um, were horrendous and it was what we've seen from him in the past and this has just been a really weird year by Luis Robert um this wrist injury now twice um he had that mysterious illness that kept him out of the lineup for weeks where I don't think uh, I think we were just told he had a virus and that was it so um you know the uh, the dizziness, lightheadedness that caused him to leave the game, in Minnesota. And he, um, I mean, you look at the numbers, batting average, his his uh, his RBIs, all of that is is where you would want it to be. Where if he put together a, a full healthy season, you know, he's got some some pretty rock solid numbers. So it's um it's unfortunate um, he just couldn't stay healthy this year. I think it's just time enough is enough to just sit him down for the rest of the year. This doesn't make sense to me. Johnny and I had this discussion on Sunday Fun Day about whether or not you, you, sh- you they haven't shut him down or you shouldn't shut him down because Luis Robert on defense and Luis Robert as a pinch runner and Luis Robert as a seventh hitter at 20-30% is better than your ulterior options like Adam Engel or somebody else out there because of what they provide uh, is, is just a little bit different of a skill set when it comes to, you know, Luis Robert versus, you know, whoever else it is, because you might have to have Adam Hazley up on the roster or, you know, whoever else that is to come up here and fill in. I don't think Mark Payton's going to be able to get the job done. I think it's a little too early to call up Colas and you're not getting that center field, uh, that center field play from him. And if, something happens to AJ Pollock and you've made the determination to shut down Luis Robert, our kind of conspiracy theory, little tinfoil hat time is that whatever is plaguing him probably will require surgery this off season and keep him out for somewhere between six to 12 weeks. Um, and you don't want to do that right now. So if that's the case, does that change your mind just a little bit on whether or not it's time to shut him down? Maybe a little bit. I mean, at the plate, you know, you can't have him in the lineup. You can't have him up there swinging with one hand. Um, even if the alternative is Adam Hazley or Adam Engel, at least, you know, two hands is better than one. Um, I do like the idea of having him in there as a pinch runner um, defensive replacement. It's it's really strange where, you know, he's he's not injured enough to not play, but he's too injured to play. <laughs> So um, I, it's, it's very weird, um, but I don't think, no. I mean, I think I, I still shut him down. I want a, a guy on the roster who's fully healthy, who can, who can be in the lineup every day. 
there you have it. Besnick gave his take on whether or not we should shut down Luis Robert for the season. And that's leads us to sort of the last topic here for the night. Tony LaRusa's in the building, but he's not in the dugout. And there's been some conflicting stuff that's gone on back and forth here. This is the first time it feels like Rick Khan has spoke to the media in forever, kind of delivered a statement. Um, this is not verbatim, but pretty much said uh, they're leaving it to the experts um, on whether or not he will manage again. Uh, Ozzie Guillen had some fiery words on the pregame show about whether or not this was a distraction to White Sox players. And what did he have to say? Did you not hear that? Um, I did not, actually. I didn't catch that. Okay. So Ozzie Guillen said that Tony needs to decide whether or not he's in or he's out. Okay. And, you know, the the conversation kind of went back and forth there for a while. There there was a tweet from the NBC Sports Chicago account with the interaction on the pregame show with Ozzie. It kind of ended in a little bit of a joke, I will say, where, okay. you know, Chuck asked and said, well, what would you do, Ozzy, if your doctors told you not to do it? He said, I'd go out there and I'd die on the mound and <laughs> fake the heart attack uh, on the pregame show um, and said that his family would be very upset that he didn't listen to his medical professionals. But I think the sentiment here is he's in Chicago. You know, he wants to be around the team. His doctors are telling him no. Han doesn't really give you any sort of clarity. Miguel Cairo doesn't give you any sort of clarity. Tony La Russa doesn't give you any sort of clarity. And the White Sox have been on this run since Tony has left the dugout. And that's fair to say. So are they just being superstitious? Are they waiting for things to fall apart before instilling him back in? Is there really a medical thing that's keeping and preventing him from managing the team what's really happening here because without the clarity it leaves the mind room to draw conclusions make right. assumptions and i don't think he's the <laughs> the most well-liked man in the building at 35th and shields besnick let's be honest but what's really going on here well, I mean, if uh, if what they said was true and he had to get his uh, pacemaker reworked or a new one inserted into his heart, that's pretty serious. That's something that's going to take some time to recover from. Uh, you know, neither of us are doctors, but, you know, this is kind of tinfoil hat time. And um, I don't I don't think it's a superstitious thing on, on part of the on the part of the organization. I think if um, you know, I think this is kind of a serious matter. And, uh, and they are leaving it up to the experts. And I know Han even said, you know, I was ragging on the organization quite a bit on Twitter.com about how nobody in the front office has addressed it. And Han came out today and said, you know, Larusa told us, you know, keep it a private matter. So, um, you know, you have to respect that. Um, I have no reason to believe that. I guess I shouldn't believe that he's lying in that regard about someone's health. Um, uh, not something I would do. Uh, people are free to, to judge it however they want. Um, so um, I think this is a serious health thing. And I think it's something that I don't, I don't see him coming back to the dugout this year. I think it's something in the off season that he'll have to take a look at after his doctors tell him what's what. 
and make a decision for himself on whether he wants to come back. Now, um, I, and I think, you know, he's Jerry's guy. He's got one more year on his deal. If he wants to come back and manage, you know, he's the manager. I think people have kind of already resigned to the fact that he's probably gone forever. And I don't think that that's necessarily the case. I think if um, he's good to go per the experts and wants to manage that he can be back next year. Yeah, and I think that there's, you know, if if you want to put it this way, nobody wants to hear this. This is probably the most unpopular opinion in the room. Um, you know, the fact that he's here watching these games shows that he cares. It shows yeah. that he wants to be around this thing. And maybe maybe it's 100% correct that he shouldn't be. Maybe there is disconnect in the locker room. But to see him take that flight back to Chicago, come here, be with the team, it shows that he cares. It shows that he shows up. It 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 shows a lot, especially given the nature of uh you know the seriousness of what he just went through and what he's doing and and how well he's responded to it uh, to try and come back there. There was a story uh, that was written. I believe it was Bob Nightingale today. A lot of people took quotes out of that story and tried to address a very specific thing, and those were the quotes out of the locker room. However, the, the one thing that stood out to me that was different than what everybody brought to the attention uh, on White Sox Twitter today, uh, the one thing that stood out to me was the, the paragraph in there uh, in that story that Nightingale wrote about how he spent that game in Oakland basically sitting there watching while everybody else was watching a football game on Sunday in that booth and wasn't really paying attention and that he was taking notes and that he was – watching the game intensely um, and probably very stressed out against his doctor's will as the White Sox went on to lose that. But the fact that we're writing about this man still caring and, and coming back with the team and all that other stuff, I want to give, you know, just my spin on that is I think that this is a dude that really deeply cares about his profession, deeply cares about his job, cares about this team's success has he put the team in the best position to win all the time? Probably not. But when you see somebody doing that, I'm not flying out anywhere from, from my job, even if it was baseball, if uh, I, I, I didn't deeply care about it um, as right. much there. So I saw that I didn't, I didn't see any recognition for it, um, you know, through the media circles, through White Sox fans or anything else. All I got were jokes like, uh, you know, well, you know, he's probably asleep or all the other stuff that, that goes out sure. there and, and flies around. But I just thought that that was interesting. I wanted to call it out on the show tonight. And that's, that's very cool. Honestly, that he still cares about those guys. Um, you know, any interview, uh, I know there's, there's been some, some statements made from players that, you know, really make you wonder about the clubhouse and, and, you know, how they've responded since Cairo's been instilled as the acting manager, but also, you know, they've had nothing but good things to say about Tony. Of course, if they don't like him, they're not going to necessarily come out and slander him. Um, but, uh, but anytime they're asked, they're, uh, they're very supportive of, of him and he cares about them too. And that's why he's out there. The question is, is he really the right guy for the job? Um, as you put it, he hasn't always put them in the best position to win. This is a very, very talented team that is severely underperformed and, um, someone's accountable to that. So what yeah, the and decide to do is you are, you are completely, uh, right there. And, and the one thing that I think 
Um, you know, I like to look at, uh, you know, the succession and of, of uh, a team between years. And, and last year, the White Sox were kind of a, a next man up squad when it came to battling through injuries. And they've really had to be that uh, through this year as well. Um, and, and not only now within the lineup and, and the players, but it, even when it comes down to this, and some people will say, well, it was, they should have fired him earlier or whatever. But one thing that Larusa was always credited for, I feel like a lot last year in terms of success was managing and teaching that next man up mentality, finding guys to plug in, who's going to be the successor of whatever position it is on the field. And I think that that kind of mentality that was instilled once he got here really carried over to Miguel Cairo very well because he stepped into that role. He's done an excellent job of motivating this team. You do see an extra spark around them. You see some extra motivation. Now I I, I found it absolutely hilarious today when, you know, Kenwell was, was going off about, um, you know, it shouldn't take a fiery speech to get guys going. Um, You know, I'm a big fan of the fiery speech. In fact, I will say that the one thing that, I'd feel like Larusa should do a lot more, and it's probably um, just not in his nature at this moment. But one could argue, Besnick, that when he came in to manage this, a lot of people said, "Well, I don't want him to take the fun out of the White Sox. I don't want him to be this angry old man that's going to get mad at at everything." And he's, for the most part, in my opinion, been sort of soft spoken. So yeah. I found it kind of funny when all of a sudden. You know, this lackadaisical fun attitude that this team kind of had, although it's not fun when you're losing. I'm looking at last year a little bit with this, but you come into this year and it's like, well, we need somebody to go flip a table and and yell at these guys, which is what people were afraid that he was that Russo was gonna do. And then now we're giving this credit to this fiery, you know, you're here or you want to win or get the right. fuck out type mentality. It's just kind of interesting how all that shakes out. But I, I do want to say the next man up mentality, Miguel Cairo has really stepped into that, embraced it, and done a fucking wonderful job uh, getting this team pretty much back into this race. Yeah. I mean, uh, I had them pretty much, you know, left for dead when we got swept by Arizona at the end of the month at home. Um, we fell below 500. I think we were six games out at that point. Going into September, I thought they were done, and you're you're right. Tyro's done a, a phenomenal job um, putting Andrus in that leadoff spot. The way he's performed, um, you see, you do see a lot more spark. Uh, you see him in the dugout; he's a little more fiery. And um, to your point, that is uh, that's that's what they needed. They needed uh, they needed that kind of wake up call. Um, <clears throat> on the other hand, to to Ken's point. Um, as much as I hate to agree with Ken, you know, these are your professional baseball player. Uh, you're getting paid millions of dollars. You shouldn't need somebody to come scream in your face to get up and get out there and bust your ass every day. Um, so we can go down that rabbit hole quite a bit, um, but I'll leave it with I'm very happy with uh, what Miguel Cairo's done so far this year um, in the 13, 14 games that he's been here. Hopefully they let him manage out the rest of the season 
at this point, my the only thing I want to see is for the White Sox to play whatever the best brand of baseball they can play is for the rest of the year and, uh, you know, let the cards fall as they may. Very well said. And that'll just about do it here for us at Sox on Tap. Thank you for tuning in to tonight's postgame show. Sox win by a score of 4-2 over the Colorado Rockies. If you missed the show earlier, Besnick explained why this is an absolute heated rivalry between the Chicago White Sox and the Colorado Rockies of Denver. We went through the storied uh, uh, just absolute rivalry these two ball clubs have had with each other. I think it was since, what, 2005, you said, Pesnik? 2005, 18 games, 18 absolute battles, and uh, we'll see number 19 tomorrow. Hopefully the Sox can uh, improve to 11 and 8 uh, all time versus them. Um, yep. Let's let's kick some rocky ass. All right. Well, we're going to finish it up here. You got a pick to click for tomorrow? Yes. I'm going to go with Andrew Vaughn. Andrew Vaughn, I love it. I love that pick. I, I think that I will go with Mr. Jose Abreu again because, you know, if you can't August, you might as well September. Perfect. I love it. Nope. Let's go that's, on a tear. That's, 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 that's who I'm taking. You know, ball go far, team go far. As Steve said, he got the job done today. Had some fireworks. All right. That'll just about do it for us here at Socks on Tap. Thank you to all those who tuned in and dropped comments in subscribe to the YouTube at on tap sports net on Twitter. You can find Besnick at socks insane myself at Tony on tap, the show at socks on tap. That'll do it for us here. Socks win four two. the victory beers taste better and Besnick white socks forever. White socks forever. <laughs>